Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Soul Medicine Psychic Podcast. I'm your guide, Bernice Bisson. I have been a professional psychic, medium, and astrologer for 30 years and have read for thousands of people all over the world. Many of those readings have been recorded by my clients. In this podcast, I invite clients back to share their recordings. As we flash back, we get to listen in on some of the original predictions and, in their own words, share some heartwarming stories, a few inspiring outcomes, and some unbelievable accuracies. I invite you to join us for a new journey each episode and come experience a little soul medicine for yourself. Something in the air, always something in the air. And in this episode, we once again connect with Linda. You may remember her incredible story of her grandson's message for her family from season one. She's back to tell us about her remarkable journey with her very active bed and breakfast retreat, La Brage Clements. This place is an enchanted property wrapped in a spiritual vortex on the openness of the hardy Canadian prairie in Eli, Manitoba. And came to her and her husband's care and stewardship on a wing and a prayer. And we're going to actually hear more about that right after this. Something in the air, always something in the air. Welcome to the Soul Medicine Psychic Podcast with your guide, Bernice Besson. Linda and John are innkeepers of a magical property situated along historical train tracks in a small prairie town in Manitoba. Their love for family and their warm hospitality radiates in each room of this inn. The Benton Breakfast was a former parish convent, music school, an infirmary for girls, and carries church relics and energy from past residents long ago. The local church and cemetery are situated beside the former nunnery, and you can feel the presence of its tenants. This retreat is a spiritual exploration from the meditation labyrinth garden along a beautiful fish pond, to the second floor chapel, to the third floor rooms, where the spirit of a nun has been reported to open and close doors, even locked ones. Linda tells us stories of the unexplained and paranormal experiences that have occurred right from the opening day, when the wind blew in a house full of weary travelers, to my recent retreat, where the spirit of a young woman who died in the infirmary many years ago 
played hide and seek with my keys. Ah, man, and we'll hear more about that ghostly encounter right after this. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. Welcome back. We've got Linda today, and Linda has been with us on a previous podcast But she's here to discuss something about the magic of Eli and her bed and breakfast because there are so many stories. And her one story of my reading was just part of it. But we got to hear the tale of this place. Now, welcome, Linda. And thank you for joining us. And we are pretty excited to hear about this. Now, let's just start with how did we meet? How did you wind up with me? Well, actually, it was through my uh, middle son, Roger. Mm-hmm. He was dating a very uh, nice girl by the name of Crystal. And her mother was a good friend of yours. And Roger actually had a couple of readings fr- from you, first of all. And then I had made an appointment to mm-hmm. have a reading. And that's when I first met you. Yeah, and... And since then, I think I've read your entire family pretty much (laughs) on the most part and has been wonderful. And I've been able to host an event at your place, which we're going to hear all about right away, her place. The reason why when I walked into Linda's place right away, my heart just sang because it's somewhere that I would love. It's kind of a beacon in somewhere you would never expect. Now, Eli, Manitoba is a tiny little prairie town that you would, if you drove by, if you blinked, you would probably miss the turnoff for sure. But this place has a wonderful place. Now let's start. Tell us all about your bed and breakfast. Our bed and breakfast is actually in a former convent. Started to be built in 1914. And the nuns moved in in June, on June 15, 1915. They were actually there mostly to be teachers at the local school. But there was quite a few nuns, I'd say 10, 12. They were actually semi-cloistered, which means some of them never went out. They looked after the place, while the other nuns would go out to the local school and be teachers. But in the meantime, when they built this three-story, under 8,000-square-foot convent, they built it with the intent of boarding girls that came by from other farmyards or other towns or for whatever reason. You've got to remember, we're talking 1915, the early, early years where they are still traveling by horse and buggy. So sometimes just being on a farm that might be 10 miles away, it was easier for their daughter to stay and be boarded. So they would look after the girls, about 40 of them, if I'm not mistaken. There was a room for 40. And they would, um, they would uh, also teach them music, but see them go to school in Eli. 
Okay. And so um, attached to this, uh, the convent, which looks like this brick presence along the rail lines, has a Catholic church with its steeple and, and, and kind of this ancient graveyard in the back. And so it has this sort of magical feel when you pull up to the place with a great big old willow or something sitting right in the middle of the driveway that's probably planted around the time this place was birthed. Now, you have been running this as the innkeeper, if I shall call you that. (laughs) And tell us about some of the stories. If we start with a well-known story, maybe something about a book. You've been in a book about some of the stories. You can maybe tell us a bit about that. We've had, I'd say, four or five authors Mm -hmm. come and stay at our place, sometimes on purpose, which we did not know. But they come because they wanted to find out about the building. So by coming and staying at the bed and breakfast, they could inquire more. And we had one gentleman, actually he was in the middle of writing his third book. And he was originally from BC, but he wanted to write about the West, more around Saskatchewan, Manitoba, different ghostly stories. Mm. is what he was interested in. So he came to stay with his wife at our place for a couple of nights. And so he said that he was writing a book and would we like to be a part of that book? And of course, we, we're we always willing to talk about this place because it's so enchanting and yes. interesting and spiritual. Yes. Many people come through it saying how what wonderful vibes they get from it. And it's always has a spiritual touch about it. But so anyways, we're always willing to talk about it. And so he included us under what he called Lebert's Commots. By the way, if you're interested in looking up the book, it's called Spirits of the West. And Robert C. Bellick. Mm-hmm. And actually, after he got all of the information from us and he moved on to his next encounter, he said that he would send us a book. And a year or so later, it came in the mail. Well, to our amazement, we actually found the picture of our place <laughs> on the book. It's sort of it clouded, yeah. uh, like yeah. imposed on the background yes. of the book called Spirits but, West. And yeah. he never had asked, we, <laughs> and we were quite surprised, pleasantly surprised. But what really caught our attention, and yes, he's got many write ups about different places mm-hmm. in Manitoba and uh, Saskatchewan, is what he wrote in the back called After Word Our Ghostly Encounter. It's all about his wife who had always been a little bit of a skeptic. Mm -hmm. But she had an experience on the third floor in the well-known room called the King Room. And so we read about this. They never told us about her encounter. We only found out about it after we received the book and read it. What was the encounter? She actually had someone touch her shoulder he starts, I have, as a collector of ghost stories and not a ghost hunter, I rarely come face to face with the subject of my books. The following event involved mainly my wife, Diane, who is my photographer 
co-researcher, and traveling companion. When I regard myself as open-minded regarding paranormal activity in general, Diane has been a skeptic. Now, after an eerie night thrust her into one of the stories we were, she is no longer as unconvinced about paranormal occurrences. When we visited LaBert's Commons bed and breakfast, Diane met the ghostly nun who haunted the king room. Oh, and that, that nun has many stories from Linda. I have heard things about opening doors, oh, yes. um, ones that were locked or known to be closed. Um, so there's right. been a few stories there. So that's part of the charm of this place. When you say spiritual, it's, it is magical, this place. And you even built a labyrinth in the back. Yes, 40 feet round. Oh, and just so it's pretty magical if you get a chance to stay there. Now, I love the fact writers went there to kind of retreat and do their writing. Because I can see how their muse would be peaked, how they would be so entranced to be able to find that those words coming because it, it really does evoke or inspire for sure. So tell us another story. Well, actually, after we had finally moved in, had done all this painting and had all these experiences where coincidences where things would show up or people would show up when we would uh, be thinking about them or, oh, we need this fix. Maybe we can call on this person. And the next day he'd be knocking on our door. So, so the house is helping you take care of itself. <laughs> yes. Actually, even in our book, we had a little caption at the beginning saying, a little luck and a lot of help from above. Yeah. That is so true. And people around us were making comments about how things seem to just come together. And so within a few months and before Christmas, we had decided that we were going to have a little open house. And one of the things that we wanted to do was we wanted to decorate. We have a chapel on the second floor. Did not mention that. But we had this large chapel that could sit about 40 people. And we thought we'd have a... a decorated all up for Christmas. And um, so we had a, a couple of friends, close relatives actually, him and his wife, and myself and my husband John, we got together to set up this chapel. Well, one thing is my husband used to build mangers and he had built this huge manger for his parents one time, long, long time ago. And one thing led to another. After we were in the uh, bed and breakfast, the manger was returned to us by a sister who could not find a place to put it, to bake. As part of our open house, we wanted to decorate the chapel, so we got the manger. And when we set it up on a huge table in the chapel, we realized we didn't have any statues that fit this manger. But in the basement, we had come across two very old angels, a blue angel and a pink angel, and a shepherd. So one Saturday, John and I decided that we were going to go to the city and see if we could find statues about the same size so we could have a, a brand new set of statues. But before we left for the city, we stopped in at the local restaurant to have breakfast. 
and we came across a couple that were sitting by themselves, just starting breakfast. They asked us, come and join us. And of course, they wanted to know what we're up to. And we said, well, we're going to the city to find a set of statues. We've got this huge manger, and we don't have any statues. And we need one, and I showed her about, oh, five, six inches high at least. And then she says, well, you know, I've got a set of statues that we acquired when the nuns had decided to leave the convent, go into smaller homes, they had this set of statues. And she says, I have a set I could give you. If you don't find any, I can lend them to you. And we said, oh, great. So off we go to the city. And of course, it's during the Christmas, you know, some Christmases, they have lots of statues for sale. And then other Christmases, you can hardly find them. Well, it just happened to be that Christmas that we could hardly find any. So we come home kind of disappointed, but knowing that we could maybe borrow this friend, her statues. Well, we walk into the entrance of the convent, former convent, and in the entrance is three large boxes. So my husband reached in one of the boxes and pulled out an item all wrapped in newspaper. When he unraveled the newspaper, here it was, the exact same shepherd that you had found that we had found that we only had and then we unraveled all the others that were wrapped up in newspaper there were 32 statues all of the same group but what really amazed us out of 32 statues he reaches in and, and he, he grabs out one just exactly the same same shepherd and so uh, i was thinking oh she must have found the, um, her set of statues and brought them over and left them in our, uh, in our entrance. Mm -hmm. And so, to make a long story short, we brought them all up and they were perfect. We couldn't have asked for a better set of statues. Mm -hmm. But on the Monday, following Monday, I see my friend walking across the road to the mail. And I was heading there too. And I said to her, Oh! Thank you very much for dropping off that those statues of yours because they just worked out just perfect. And she looked at me kind of strange. She said, well, I didn't drop any statues off. And I was kind of puzzled you didn't. I said, nobody else knew that we were looking for statues. I find that really strange. So I went home and told my husband this and he thought this was really mm. strange. And then he thought, you know, it must be Father T, who may have come by and noticed what we were doing, because he would drop in periodically <laughs> to see how our progress was going on. So anyways, my husband phones Father T, and he says, uh, we found three large boxes of statues in our entrance on Saturday. Do you know anything about it? Oh, he says, you did? And John says, yes. He says, well, how did they work out? Well, perfect. We couldn't have asked for anything better. He says, oh, I'm so pleased. My prayers have been answered. And, of course, John's wondering, what are you talking about? He says, well, I was at your house on Wednesday. You weren't around. The door was unlocked. 
So I thought I'd just go up to the chapel and see how things were progressing. And I noticed your big manger, beautiful manger, and this one statue all by itself that really fit well. So I said to myself, I have to go home and see if I can find some statues for them. And he said, I looked high and low and couldn't find any statues whatsoever. So I went into my church and I just said a little prayer that, to God that I'm looking for a set of statues. They really need this set of statues for their, their large manger. So I'm going to leave it in your hands. The Friday night, he gets a knock on the door and the lady comes in and she said to him, you know, I have this old set of statues that the church had gave me. They didn't, don't want them anymore. They're kind of marked and everything. So I said I would find a home for them. And he said, I have just the perfect place for them to go. So they went from her car to my car. And so Saturday in the afternoon, I came to your place. Nobody was home, so I dropped them off. Yet there had been no connection between us and Father Thibault. He never and made then, the request to him to say, hey, no. And the fact that he had sent out a prayer for them, yeah. and they just show up. This is how the first six months of being in this fabulous building these coincidences would constantly be happening. We set out all these 32 statues and they all fit perfectly in this manger. Yes, there were quite a few that had little nicks, but we realized that we have an artist coming to hang her pictures on the, all the bare walls for our opening house. Mm -hmm. And she was coming the next day. So we showed her some of these statues that were, were marked and mm -hmm. whether she could touch them up at all. And she says, oh, no problem at all. She says, I'll bring my painting supplies and we will get them all touched up. So a couple of days later, she showed up with all her painting supplies. She sat squatted on the floor in the chapel with all the 32 statues around her. But we also had this huge Mary statue mm -hmm. in the corner mm -hmm. that Father T had dropped off a number of months after we had bought the, the building. And she had a little nick on the very tip of her nose. It was obvious when you looked at it, your eyes just seemed to go into mm -hmm. the little nick. So John just happened to be standing there watching what her she was doing. He says, oh, you're doing uh, faces right now. Do you see this little nick on Mother and Mary? Would you be able to touch that up? She says, yes. He said, don't get up. I will just take it and I'll lean it down towards you so you can touch it up. No problem. So my husband leans it down and she said, I think I got the right kind of facial color that will work. And she went one little dip onto the nose and then she looked really surprised, like she, John could see her surprise in her face. She says, you know, there's over a thousand different shades of facial paint. And she says, that was the perfect one on, to put on her nose. It just happened to be on her brush at the time. That's not funny. And that's what surprised her so much. And the thing is, is when you look at this large statue now, you can't see where she had done the yeah. little 
Yeah. Huh. Little nose. Nice. But now going back, yeah. she managed to cover all the little marks on the, the uh, statues, and they looked perfectly fine. But the neat story that we like to tell when we're telling them the story of the statues is that we have the shepherd of the uh, group that was given to us sitting out while we have the other shepherd that we found by itself in the basement. As we're telling them the story, we're showing them how John would pull out this one shepherd and then show them the shepherd we had. They're identical. Yeah. And that's such a fantastic spiritual uh, story. Well, and I always believe that Spirit will guide you to the right place you need to be, bring you the right people, the right events, the right tools. You know, your priest is onto something there, praying for that. Instead, and he still comes every oh, once in a while. That's so beautiful. May I just tell one other little story mm -hmm. here? Uh, because it involves us getting ready for the open house. So uh, one day, uh, our friends, our, the couple that said, oh, they're going to come and help us. We had a lot of work to do, so they came in. We spent the day getting things set up. Uh, John and his cousin kept running up and down the stairs and trying to fix things and whatever. Well, they came by, and myself and uh, his wife were downstairs. We were busy on the main floor doing things. So the boys said, well, we have to go upstairs to the third floor. Uh, we have to check something, an electrical item up there. So up they went, and then two or three minutes later, they now found what they needed to find. They're now coming down. They're on the second floor. And my husband calls out to me, Linda, did you spill something on the second floor here? There is a real uh, sweet smell up here, and it's quite strong. Did you spill something? His wife and myself, we went to the second floor, and there are all four of us walking around in this hallway on the second floor there it's sort of like a stale perfume my friend said it smelled like old roses mm -hmm. so we're still looking around and the men said well we're going to go downstairs so they went flying downstairs and the odor or sweet smell literally went with them mm -hmm. and she and i are saying well where did it go where did it go in the meantime, the boys are saying, well, now it's down here even stronger. So we look down at them, and they look up at us, and we're saying, oh, there's something else that must be visiting <laughs> us around here. And they said, well, they should come and help. <laughs> we always said, say, if we felt there were spirits, you know what? Come and help. We've got lots of work here. Yeah, be the magic fairies at night that get all the, the cobbling done while we're sleeping. Well, oftentimes uh, when you talked about the statue of Mary, maybe it was approving about um, the fixing of Mary. Maybe maybe Mary is often associated with the smell of roses and spirit showing up. Well, I have to add to that. Oh, let's hear that. Years go by and we had two nuns come to stay with us for a couple of days because there was another nun going through to be a novice and become a nun. Mm -hmm. And they were going to go to her ceremony. So they stayed for two nights at our place. And I must say, 
One of the nuns I did know from previous times mm -hmm. when we used to live next door, and she was a very stern nun. She was always giving my boys a lecture because they were young and doing silly things, and, and she would get upset with them and whatever, so she was very stern. The other nun was quite the opposite, very jolly, happy, whatever. So we're in telling, John's telling the stories of all the different things that have happened to us and whatever, and they're sitting there, and the friendly, happy nun would be nodding and enjoying and says, you must have had a lot of ghosts in here because there's been, a, a, throughout the years, a number of nuns as well as boarders that have passed on here. So I happened to walk in at the time and he said, well, we had an interesting experience with an odor on the second floor. So I proceeded to tell her about the so-called sweet smell on the second floor. At the time, knowing the first nun who was very stern and I was not brought up Catholic, I was a little leery about what to say because I wasn't sure what her feelings were about spirit, whatever. But in the meantime, the other nun, all of a sudden, she's nodding and interrupted me right away. Oh, that's Mary. And like I said, my reaction to, in my mind, I'm looking at this nun that I'd known before, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking to myself, Mary, does she mean the border Mary? Does she mean the nun Mary? Does she, who is she referring? Oh, that's Mary. And you know, she will come back and see you. You will know when you smell that, that sweet smell again. That's a common, um, the smell of roses or, or like, and it's so fragrant. It almost reminds, like, if you've ever burned frankincense, it has that like that's pungent. Certain, yes. Yeah. Yes. I actually have never had the odor come back. Okay. okay. The other thing I had noticed Yet. during that time was, <laughs> The, the nun that I did know, she had no expression whatsoever on her face through all of that. But I wish now that I could see that nun. I think she has since passed on because if it was just her and I, I would have pursued it more. But she confirmed. Yeah. So, and it would make sense in that place. It has that Catholicism basis to it, but spirit shows up in that place. There's been doors there's been the feeling of, even in times that I've done seance there, which I have the opportunity to do a couple of different seances, spirit is strong in that place. I, I come with my K2 meters, I come with my flashlights, and things turn on and off. And in fact, we had a whole group who had their own experiences when they came to stay as part of my retreat. This place is magical, so honestly, it's worth a stay, if you like, to really connect to spirit in different ways. That could be through prayer, through meditation, and also just the spirits that show up at that place. Now, that place has touched so many people. You've got so many stories. I tell, you got to tell me another story, Linda. Let's go back to the nun that's on the third floor, which we didn't even know. We had a ghost nun on the third floor. We had a gentleman from the States. He was uh, an international sales rep, spent about four months in Eli. He would spend three weeks with us, then go home to the States to spend it with his wife, then come up for three more weeks. And he did this about for four months. Well, we got to know him really well. He was, never really got to talk about the convent. We never told our stories or whatever. He was a businessman. He was doing work and he was staying at our place. 
But on the last week that he was with us, he was uh, talking to John about, do you know you have a nun, ghost nun, on the third floor? And it took John back. Really? He says, yes. He says, he said, uh, whenever I go to bed, I would lock the door. The door would be locked. And then he said, I wake up in the morning and the door would be half open. And it happened often, not all the time, but more often that I was beginning to notice it. And he says, that's a nun that's up on the third floor. Well, this took John quite surprised and we thought, oh, told me, well, we have a nun on the third floor. About a week after that, we had a couple coming to stay on the second floor. And we decided, let's go and sleep on the third floor. We hadn't been up there to sleep. Mm -hmm. So we thought, well, we got it all set up. We're going to experience being guests staying on the third floor and decided to pick the king room. Well, we had watched TV. I was now tired. I went to bed early, had settled in. And maybe John came an hour later. He uh, closed the door, locked the door, and he proceeded to sit down. The door went click, and it opened. And he looked at that kind of weird as, well, how come, how come? He locked it. So he gets up. And he says, well, uh, I might have not locked it right. Maybe I didn't close it right. So he went to the door, closed it, locked it, make sure it was locked, and then comes back. And now he's stretched out and he's lying on the bed, ready to close his eyes. And all of a sudden he hears click and the door opens again. And the fact that it happened only a week or so after the uh, salesperson from the United States, after four months of staying with us, tell us that we have a nun ghost on the third floor. He closed the door. He locked it. He grabbed a chair. He shoved it under the, the doorknob, the door to make sure it wasn't. And he said, now there. Try to open that. <laughs> Came back and went to bed. Yeah, slept like a baby from that point and, on. <laughs> and just to pass on, it happened to another couple, yeah. I would say a couple years passing, that they experienced the so-called door opening in. Yeah, um, with the click and, and it opens. What come down and say, so what is it with that door of the king room? Yeah, that whole place. Like, if you can imagine walking into... First of all, you, you encounter sort of the kitchen area when you first walk in that door and you, you can smell the food and stuff, you know, through the kitchen. And then you, you walk down this hallway and you've got some stairs and these statues and starts to get kind of more magical as you can. You get into this dining room, which is tremendous and has these beautiful windows that overlook a pond and, and the labyrinth and the fields in the back. It's really quite lovely. And the church, you can see. And then as you go up to the second floor, you've got the chapel and some beautiful rooms. And then the third floor is more sort of rooms and, and whatnot. But you also have escape rooms. And I know you had talked about once you had the escape rooms up and running, and then you've also set up the cameras in the escape room. On those, you certainly caught some interesting things. Why don't you tell us about your escape rooms? Our first escape room went easy. It took us no more than about four months to set it up. We had been actually met someone that was into building escape rooms. 
and just breathe, had been talking to us that oh your place would be a great place to have escape rooms you've got all agreed. those rooms <laughs> agreed so we set up our our uh, first escape room and we called it a uh, judgment day mm-hmm. ours are not really scary escape rooms because of the building we're in and the spirituality we wanted to zero more into the spirituality mm-hmm. so it was called judgment day yeah now, this, of course, you're going to have to come and try it out. It's too <laughs> lengthy to talk about. Yeah. Now, the second one took us a year and a half because it was more involved and it was actually called Mystery of the Lost Holy Grail and Treasures All Around. Mm-hmm. And it was set up about a third of the chapel we made into our second escape room. You put a lot of work into that space. Oh, yes. In fact, I thought my husband and I were going to have a divorce over somewhere. <laughs> Both of them are very involved. Like we have over 20 trees Yeah. because it's like a jungle first yeah. that you're going into. And then you end up in a cave. Yeah. There again, very lengthy to discuss. Yeah. But you would have to come and try it out. We had very, very good reviews on both of them. But unfortunately for us to continue on, the pandemic came along. So they didn't go. The pandemic. But But, with goals of reopening, there has been now, there's been interesting things showing up there. Ah, so one day when we were setting it up, we have cameras set up in, uh, in both escape rooms. But we have four cameras in the one that are that is on the second floor. So we thought we'd try out these cameras and my husband and I were sitting there and there's nothing in there at all, a movie. So we're sitting there looking at the escape room and all of a sudden we see these white lights bouncing back and forth, up and down, just, and you'd be sitting there and you'll say, oh, there goes one. Then then we'd see another like, oh, look at that. That one went in that direction. And we saw quite a few of them were thinking, what on earth are those? Because we had checked it out before and there was nothing going on. Mm-hmm. But this one day when we're sitting there, there's all these orbs, yeah. white lights, little yeah. white lights popping back and forth. Yeah. And we had the feeling that there were spirits. They were visiting. They were visiting. <laughs> they yes. were visiting, checking out the escape room. When I was there, there was one room that you could tell the energy in the space. And it's on the second floor across from the chapel. Now, in that area with the bathroom, I've heard noises. Like, I've heard things. And you've had a couple of things going on there. There was something about a mirror. Well, in the small toilet sink area, he had a mirror hanging on the door inside because he liked... After he had gone to have a shower and whatever, and now he's all dressed, he would do his hair. He'd be sitting on the toilet, <laughs> drying his hair. And that's what he used it for. Yeah. Okay. Multitasking. Multi- <laughs> and it hung on a hook Yeah. on the back of the door. So one night when we had settled in, and I would say uh, around 10 o'clock or so at night, we heard a bang and a clash and we thought what on earth is that went out into the hall and like the door had been left open of the bathroom but the mirror 
was lying flat on its back across uh, another doorway. And, and we're looking up at the door where it had been hanging, and the hook was still on the door. So it would have had to unhook itself and throw itself a few feet away. Yeah. It, okay. And you're looking, and you look at the back of the mirror, and the heavy wire that, is still across. Hmm. And so we're looking at the hook and looking at the wire. The other strange thing about all this is when we picked up the mirror thinking it would be cracked, there wasn't a crack in the mirror. It happened not once, but three times over a period of about two weeks. You put, you put the mirror back on the and, same hook. Yeah, on the same hook. But on the third time that it came off, there was a small crack in the bottom of the mirror. So we came to the conclusion that maybe the nun on the third floor came down, <laughs> didn't like this mirror hanging in the bathroom the way it was, and decided that she was going to get rid of it. Because what else could we explain? How else could that? Nobody else was in the building, yeah. you know? Yeah. How could it do this? And so we simply, all he did was he just took, okay, I'm just going to lean the mirror up against the wall. We're not going to do that again. Yeah. Because... Somewhere along the line, I'm going to lose it. And he still, to this day, uses that mirror. Yeah. And but he, we do not hang it <laughs> Yeah, for those who might be coming down again. In that same area where that bathroom is on that second floor, there's that bedroom. And that, that bedroom, just the energy in that room, you can feel that. And I know you've got something to share oh, on yes. that. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when you find that you have maybe uh, looking for something and it's not where it, it's supposed to be. And then you come back and you maybe find it and you think, well, I don't remember having moved it. And you wonder where they had gone to. Yeah. Well, I caught them in the act. Ooh, let's Moving. <laughs> caught them in the act. Well, it has to do with a little square musical box. And I had had it on this desk always had had it on the desk. I actually had people stay there the week before. And when I was up cleaning the room and everything, I'm thinking, where is that little musical box? It should be here. And on top of the little table there that it was sitting on, I took everything off the table. And I thought, it's got to be here somewhere. I took everything off the table. And there was a clear white box holding some items in that was also on that table. And I looked under the bed, I looked everywhere, and I couldn't find it. And I was a little frustrated because I have had it for a long time. So I go into the other bedroom, across the hall, and I'm thinking, well, maybe I put it in there. Sometimes you wonder if you've moved it somewhere. And so you're, you're checking in this room, and you're checking in that room. When I came back... And by the way, I put everything back on the table as it was before, including the clear box. And I go into the bathroom there thinking, well, maybe I put it in there. I was only in there a matter of maybe two minutes, just looking around, come out, and there is the musical, little musical box sitting on top of the clear box that, and right away, I, uh, my eyes zeroed in on it, and before I even got there, I'm saying, 
I caught you in the act. I'm waving my hands in the air and saying, I caught you in the act. But I sounded a little annoyed because I'd spent a half an hour looking for this musical box, only to come and see it sitting on a bo- top of that clear box that I had cleared everything off of, and there it is. I, I'm annoyed at first. And then I'm thinking, okay, uh, hey, I, I think you're just letting me know that you're here. And I even was apologizing to the air. <laughs> I didn't mean to be upset. I know you're here, but after all, I did spend mm-hmm. half an hour looking for this. I don't know if that's the nun. I feel like that's another female, maybe one of the girls who stayed in the school. Maybe one of the girls who's there. I don't know that that nun was playing that trick on you. You know, it's funny about things being moved around in your place. Because when I went to come and do my weekend retreat in a couple Augusts ago, which was fantastic and people loved it. It was a very intimate retreat with only like 10 participants and it was great. And when we, I was leaving, I had packed up and I was very thorough in my packing up all my stuff. And, and at that time, my keys went missing. My keys were in my bag. So this is where I I was very frustrated because it took me at least 45 minutes to find my keys. I looked every room in that building. And at the same time I was trying to leave, one of my participants, who's a very gifted medium, she was trying to leave. And she, by chance, at the same time I couldn't find my keys, she locked her keys in her car. And so while she was waiting 45 minutes for CAA, I was running all over your building looking for my keys. And just as the tow truck pulled up for CAA for my participant, my keys turned up on a dining room table in the middle of the dining room. And there was nothing else on the table except for one placemat. And the placemat was over top of my keys. My keys were not out of my bag. And that's where I was like, what? And on and all the dining room tables were cleared. There was no way. And for them to be sitting there with the one tablecloth, the one like little placemat, and it was sitting there kind of covering my keys where I can kind of see them just under. And I'm like, no way. I searched that. I literally searched that dining room, like everything, every table. And there's no way you could miss that where they were, why I wound up finding them. So I personally had that experience at your place. And what was so funny is that I feel like it's the same girl, like up from the infirmary from the third floor, where the infirmary used to be. And I feel like it's the same girl who locked my cohort's keys and put my keys away at the same time. We her and I laughed because we just thought this was funny because my experience in a few places that have lots of spiritual energy, my keys have gone missing several times. And as a psychic, I know it sounds weird, but when I go do house clearings or if I'm coming to do an event, I literally will put my keys in my bra on the most part now because of this experience <laughs> of having my keys taken. And I've had it done. This has happened to me a couple of times in different places, but yours, I just thought it was so funny because Clearly, Spirit wanted me and this other lady to stay a little longer <laughs> while we looked for our keys. And so I, I had that experience as well. You have a great story to tell about your first experience. Oh, yes. Let's oh, hear yes. that. Well, actually, it had only been in there maybe two weeks, moved in. I was busy making beds on the second and the third floor, uh, but I happened to be on the second floor at the time, and I'll just... To, described that I'm in a small hallway with one bedroom on one side, one bedroom on the other side. 
they both have their own doors and then the hallway to the small hallway between those two bedrooms has a door also so i'm coming out of the far room and i'm going to come out my plan was to come out into the large hallway and go up to the stairs the third floor where and i was carrying some sheets and pillowcases for the third floor when i'm coming out of the room at a at a fair clip the door to the other bedroom and the door to the hall were both in a closed position but as i come walking out quickly they both opened up at the same time at the same speed they didn't fly open they opened up nicely mm. but at the same time and the same mm. speed and that's what caught my attention but the thing is as i'm walking my hands are full i got things to do the doors open up in front of me i walk through i stand i look back at the two doors the hair on the back of my neck kind of went up and my first reaction was oh thank you very much and i'm saying it out loud it's three o'clock in the afternoon the sun is shining brightly and i'm looking at these doors now if the windows had been open or if there had just been one door that moved I would have probably not thought nothing of it. Yeah. It's the way both <laughs> doors open up at the same time as if some spirit is thinking, well, she's going to go through one of these doors, so we'll both open them up at the same yeah. time. Yeah, that is funny. And and that's how it kind of starts when people are in, in places that have lots of spiritual energy they make themselves known and we, we start to put together all these signs and then realize, oh, they've been telling us the whole time. I've noticed timestamps on my CCTV cameras. They pick certain times and dates because I'm a numerologist. I, I recognize numbers right away. So yeah, I'm trying to pay attention to those. So it's always fascinating to see when they show us the signs. What other stories do you have, Miss Linda? Well, I know we're coming. We've been at this for That's a while. okay. I could go on and on. Oh, yeah. Well, let's let's give us um, one more great story. Well, I, I need to talk about uh, um, our first experience as a bed and breakfast mm -hmm. was not planned mm. by a long way. I just happened to have my sister and brother-in-law and my mother. It was her birthday. I remember it quite clearly. It was January the 18th. 2003 and they've been trying to come and stay at our place a number of times but things would come up in their life and they weren't able to make it and actually it's my brother-in-law who wrote me a long letter one time telling me that we were nuts buying this huge convent and what were we going to do with it and just because uh you built it not, not necessarily meaning that they will come. Mm -hmm. Keep that in mind. Anyways, finally, they're able to make it. And as they arrived around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, they were discussing of how the weather was changing, and it was getting worse and worse and worse. Well, I'm going to tell you, by the end of uh, around 11 o'clock at night, that same night, I had a full house. I had people sleeping on uh, air mattresses in the chapel. 
I had to move my brother-in-law not once but twice out of the nice room to a lesser room to a less less room that the poor guy was looking under the long table in the dining room saying, <laughs> if, I, if I get moved one more time, I'm just going to lie down here underneath the table. <laughs> of all things to have happened, when he was telling us, not necessarily will they come. That happened that the storm got very bad. And first we get one call from the asshole. We have this couple coming for some uh, that need a place. And we have another couple coming. And we were the only ones that had the most room. Because we actually have more rooms than the hotel does. Yeah. So we were, and my sister was in her glory because she was running around helping me make beds and she thought I lived such an exciting life. <laughs> but we weren't expecting any of this. And in the morning, it all cleared up and they were able to leave. But we happened to have a whole bunch of French toast. So we made them French toast and bacon and everybody got fed and everybody uh -huh. left. And, you know, it reminds me of other stories you've sort of shared with us about spirit just taking care of the details for you. I even think about pandemic and in pandemic where most hospitality industries were getting disseminated and restaurants were getting disseminated. And here you are, this tiny little bed and breakfast out in Eli, Manitoba. And guess what happens to you? Yes, that also happened in January. We weren't taking anyone. Actually, we weren't taking anyone because of the pandemic. But we got a call, uh, actually an email, where they had uh, a group of construction people who were supposed to be coming in to fix two bridges that needed fix for the province of Manitoba. And they were all in their own pandemic bubble. Mm -hmm. And the owner said, if you have any problems with the province of Manitoba, just have them call me because I was very leery about taking them on. Mm -hmm. But they really needed to find a place to stay because these two bridges were about five minutes uh, away from mm -hmm. us, five or ten minutes away. But the initial one was this. We have eight gentlemen coming that will be staying for about five weeks. And they'll work for ten days on and four days off. Okay, I think we can handle that. They came in January the 18th. When they were supposed to go home, they had another crew come in to replace the ones going home. So for a month and a half, we literally were feeding them breakfast at six o'clock in the morning and supper at seven o'clock at night, straight through for a month and a half until it got so cold that they couldn't work for four days. And my husband and I went, thank God we have a rest. But it ended up that they stayed till the end of June. So it went from being where pandemic, where most hotels and bed and breakfasts were suffering or having very little stays to you literally were busier than you had literally been since you opened in a way. Oh, yes. We ended up not only with eight minutes down, but sometimes 17. I had to send three or four over next door to stay at, at my son's basement. But we were even using the chapel. We had three cots set up in the chapel. We had a, a cot and a bed in <laughs> one escape room and a cot and a bed in the other escape room. And we were feeding 17 men at a time for four days at yeah. a time periodically yeah. throughout 
not one or two months, six months. And the reason being is they would have breakdowns. They'd have to wait like everybody else, like everybody else, long waits to get uh, supplies in. And then they had to deal with the extreme cold. Yeah. And so there was all, all these sort of things happening that just delayed it, delayed it, and delayed it. Yeah. But eight weeks turned into six months. Yeah, keeping you busy. Well, Spirit wanted that place just to keep on going, you know? Keep on trucking. Well, thank you to Linda for sharing her fascinating story of Labrage Clements. I know I'll be hosting more psychic retreat events at this enchanted place. And thank you for listening to the Soul Medicine Psychic Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and found nuggets of wisdom and magic, please leave some stars in a review or share it with someone you think would enjoy it. If you're a previous client and would like to share your story on the show, please contact us through our website. Until next time, stay safe and stay well. So many years has gone by, but I think about you, about you all the time. Thanks for joining us. For social media links and to book an appointment with Bernice, visit BerniceBissonPsychic.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. Remember, spirit has your greatest good at heart. Your soul is light and you are valued. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at ivisonvoice.com slash podcast.